Welcome uh, to another class in our series uh, covering the, the Rebbe's Mivtsoyim, Mitzvah Campaigns. I believe this is the third class in the series. Um, I think the last class was Shabbos Candles, and we've been doing one class a month. This is a special project of Chabad of the Five Towns, an awareness project each month, highlighting another one of the mitzvah campaigns. And uh, this class or this lecture series is part of that project. And of course, the entire project is dedicated Lezecha Nishmas Dinaleya, Allah Shalom Bas Yabal Chaim Tevim, Menachem Mendel, Udveira Simcha, Rosenzweig. So this should be, again, this, this class among all of the many things that are being done, Lili Nishmas uh, Dinaleya, should be in, in Herschus. And um, not just the class, but the purpose of the class when we're studying about uh, mitzvahs is to actually follow through and do those mitzvahs. So when you're doing these mitzvahs, please have in mind, uh, again, that this is Lezech Nishmas Dinaleya. Bas Simcha. Okay, so Tzedakah, the mitzvah of Tzedakah. I think we called this lecture the quintessential mitzvah. Why? Because I like the word quintessential. It's a fancy word, and how often do I get a chance to use it? But what, what does quintessential mean? Quintessential means the, the mitzvah par excellence. Right, um, if you like French, or it means the how else might you say it? Um, the archetypical mitzvah. All right, there's a lot of fancy words, but what we're trying to say is basically if you had to pick one mitzvah that's the most mitzvah y mitzvah of all the mitzvahs, this would be it, hands down, no, no question. And and why do I say that? It's not you know not we it's not that we took a poll and we saw you know what did people think was the most quintessential mitzvah? No, this has a source. This is from the Jerusalem Talmud, from the, the Talmud Yerushalmi, and uh, it's pointed out in Tanya that whenever the Yerushalmi says ha mitzvah, and it doesn't stipulate which one of the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs it's talking about, it means tzedakah. Why? Because when you're talking about a mitzvah and you don't stipulate which mitzvah you mean, you must be talking about the most mitzvah-y mitzvah of all the mitzvahs, which is tzedakah. So we're going to speak a little bit about tzedakah and we're going to hopefully understand why it is the quintessential mitzvah. But before we do, I just want to talk about the campaign. I want to talk about the 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 mivtza tzedakah, not the mitzvah, but the mivtza, the campaign. the uh, The campaign of uh, tzedakah began in Tovshin Lamed Dalit, in the winter of Lamed Dalit. That means uh, seventy three, seventy four, which is the year I was born. So this is, but but I was born in the summer of seventy four. So this is like right before I was born. And uh, what was the idea? The idea was to promote tzedakah 
specifically in the manner in which the Rambam speaks about it. In, uh, the, the Rambam speaks about, in, in connection with Pirkei Oves, about the idea of Roiv HaMaise. There's an expression, Roiv HaMaise, the preponderance of deed. And, and, and what that means is that there's a certain advantage to a positive action that's done repeatedly. Um, to the extent that, let's say you had the opportunity to give tzedakah in a lump sum, or to take that same amount, now provided that, that the recipient didn't need it right away. Obviously, if the recipient needs it right away, then the best thing is to give them what they need now. But let's say that, that, that that's not a factor, and it's just a choice between giving a lump sum once, or, or giving repeated donations on a recurring basis, on a, on a, on a regular basis, uh, that would in the end equal the same lump sum. So which would be better, the former or the latter? The latter. Why? Because that's the idea of roiv hamais, the preponderance of deed. So the idea is to not just um, give tzedakah, but to become a tzedakah giver. So it's not just the amount that's given, but it's the person giving becomes accustomed to the giving. And this has a tremendous effect on the person. And in, in the same vein that Ebba spoke about children being trained in this manner, that, that children in the, in the in, you know, King, King Solomon, the wisest of all men, told us, that when you train a child according to his way, when you uh, work with the child and, and, and figure out how to get them to um, actually absorb an idea and, and implement it and make it their second nature, then even when they grow old, they won't depart from it. What that means is that it's not just that we want to we, we get children to do the mitzvah once. No, we want to train them in the mitzvah so it becomes habitual. They become accustomed to tzedakah as a part of their routine. And uh, to that, uh, it, to, toward that end, the, the Rebbe very much uh, promoted that children should have their own tzedakah pushka in their room, and that children should be given money for the purpose of being able to have their own money so that they can give tzedakah uh, from their own funds. Um, you know, uh, Hanukkah is coming up, and uh, the Rebbe spoke amazing things about Hanukkah gelt, about the power of giving gelt, literal money, not the chocolate coin gelt, but giving, giving children money on Hanukkah. And one of the reasons that giving money on Hanukkah is so powerful is because it allows children, the, gives children the, the opportunity to, to give tzedakah. When they have money, then they can give tzedakah. In fact, uh, the Rebbe speaks about it uh, as sort of like the antithesis of Hellenism. Because um, Hellenism, their big problem was they, they, were, uh, they were materialists. And they wanted to Hellenize us and make us materialists. And that's why they were very into physical fitness for its own sake. I say for its own sake, because there's nothing wrong with being healthy. In fact, the Rambam says being healthy is part of Avedis Hashem, because it enables you to serve Hashem. But to just be healthy for its own sake, to worship the body for its own sake, obviously is not a Jewish value. It's in antithetical to Jewish values. And so too, uh, monetary possessions or being wealthy for its own sake 
is 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 antithetical to 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 Jewish values. But the Hellenists were very into that, and so in order to reject that and to show that we won the war, that that we we won this this war against Hellenization, and uh, we're here to tell the tale. So what do we do to reject materialism? We we give our children money, and show that money is a spiritual thing. Think about, you know, especially at this time of year, the consumer culture and how people give children their gifts. And, you know, the, the gifts becomes like, a, it becomes a whole, the gift giving becomes like a whole um, focus unto itself. And, uh, you know, as opposed to a gift where a child plays with it and breaks it and throws it out, and, you know, maybe you had fun with it for a week, you give the child money and you're empowering the child to have a, a teachable moment. You know, the child actually has to think, okay, what's miser? How do you calculate miser? Or, or maybe I'll give chaymish, I'll give a fifth, not a tenth. And uh, where am I going to give it? And how do I give it? And so the entire thing becomes, instead of just this passive thing of getting a gift and, you know, playing with it till it breaks, it becomes a real educational experience, which, by the way, that Rebbe used to point out very often that Hanukkah is the same word as chinuch which means dedication, like rededicating the temple after it was defiled by the Greeks, but also means education, because education means the dedication. You're taking a child and you are setting them up for life. You're dedicating them to the, the proper path. So uh, one of the main ways that we celebrate Hanukkah in a manner of chinuch is through Hanukkah gelt, giving the children money so that they can give tzedakah. Okay, um, I spoke a little bit about the the pushka. I mentioned that Ebbe mentioned, uh, you know, wanted children to have a pushka in their own in their own room. Um, the pushka is not just for children. No, not at all. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the pushka. Pushka is a funny word, you know. <laughs> it's a, but how do you translate pushka? You know, it's like a canister. That's that sounds even weirder. You know, uh, container. So we just so we just say pushka. Anyways, but. <laughs> It's very interesting. What are the origins of the Tzedakah Pushka? Do you know the history, historically, like where does it come from? The, the, the whole, uh, the advent of the Tzedakah Pushka. It's actually, it's very, very interesting. Um, and it's connected to what we we're talking about before, about giving Tzedakah regularly as, a, as, as, part of your, as part of your routine. So it becomes, um, you know, a, a, a habit. Um, the Tzedakah Pushka actually was innovated by the Mitle Rebbe, the son of the Alter Rebbe, the second Rebbe of Chabad. Uh, and that's because the Alter Rebbe had started a fund called Kelel Chabad, which was to support the Hasidic Aliyah. There were a group of Hasidim from uh, Eastern Europe who moved to Eretz Yisrael, to the Holy Land, in the late 1700s, and the Alter Rebbe took it upon himself to raise funds for these Jews because there was no way of making a living in, in the Holy Land. And as poor as the Jews in Eastern Europe were, and they were very, very poor, um, the Jews in, in the Holy Land were even poorer. So the Alter Rebbe would raise funds call, for an for a organization called Kailul Chabad. In fact, we'll talk about it in a few weeks on uh, Yud Kislev. Um, the, the, the anniversary of the redemption 
uh, the release from prison of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe's imprisonment, at least, um, you know, we know that it was also, it coincided with a uh, Kittrig Milamaila. There was a there was an accusation in the heavenly court. But at least down here, the way it transpired in the terrestrial realm was uh, he was being charged with funding, sending funds to the enemy. And how did they, how did they make such a case? How did the, uh, the, the enemies of the Alter Rebbe make such a case? They showed that he was sending money to Ottoman Turkey because the Holy Land was under the uh, Ottoman Turkish Empire at that time. So if he was raising funds and sending it to Eretz so they were showing that the, the Alter Rebbe was sending funds to the enemy. Obviously, that wasn't what he was doing. He was sending funds to the Jews who were living under Ottoman Turkish rule in the Holy Land. The point is that raising funds for Kailul Chabad is something that is intertwined with the, you know, some of the, 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 the most important uh, events in, 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 in Chabad history. Um, and even after his release, the Al-Tarebbe continued raising funds for Kailul Chabad. And, and it, right now in Chitas, you know, the, in the Geras HaKodesh, Many of the letters are fundraising letters. They're essentially letters that are written to the Jews of Eastern Europe, encouraging them that even though they themselves are facing dire poverty, not to stop giving money to Kailul Chabad to support the Jews living in, in the Holy Land. At any rate, um, you may know that the, the Alter Rebbe uh, passed away uh, in 1813, and that when he passed away, he was fleeing from Napoleon, from Napoleon's advance uh, into uh, into Russia, we we call it over here in America the War of 1812, and in Europe they called the, the Napoleonic Wars. Anyways, it, it the wars bankrupted uh, Europe, and there was a global uh, economic crisis. So uh, obviously, a global economic crisis affects everybody, especially the Jews who were not in such a a great situation to begin with. Um, so after the Al Rebbe's passing, there was a there was a severe shortage of funds. The Mitler Rebbe, who assumed leadership after the Al Rebbe's passing, told his followers that even if you can only manage to put together a penny a day, obviously the, I, I'm saying penny colloquially, you know, the penny wasn't the currency, a kopeck or whatever it was that uh, the, the smallest currency that they had. Um, even if you can only put together the smallest amount a day, it's very important to continue to give on a regular basis. And therefore, they had the, the pushkas, and they would put even you know, a tiny amount every day into the pushka, and then the collectors from Kailul Chabad would come around um, you know, once a year, twice a year, whatever it was, and collect the pushka. So the pushka was really... Um, instituted as a way that people who uh, could only manage to give small amounts but wanted to do that on a regular basis so that they could they could do that and that the pushka should be the, the Mitla Rebbe says the pushka should be in the house in fact the idea of the pushka being attached to the wall that comes from that same era and the Rebbe spoke about this also 
uh, that the, the, the pushka should not just be in the house, it should be attached to the house, it should be part of the wall. You'll see this in many people uh, in, the, in the kitchen especially uh, that ever spoke about when women cook, that they should give tzedakah before cooking, it'll bring blessing onto the food. Also, before Shabbos candles, interesting, last, our last class last month was the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles. Before lighting Shabbos candles is, a, is an especially auspicious time for giving tzedakah. Um, when else should one give tzedakah before Shachras, the morning prayer, before Mincha, the afternoon prayer? Um, not before Maidav, because it's at night, but I'll tell you a funny story about that. <laughs> Kabbalistically speaking, you're not supposed to give tzedakah at night. Although the, the Rebbe once told a story, he said that he was in Vienna. The Rebbe was, was traveling through Europe, and he was in Vienna, and the Rebbe put money in a pushka at night. So somebody came over to him and criticized him and said, don't, don't you know, according to Kisve Arizal, according to the Kabbalah of Isaac Luria, you're not supposed to give tzedakah at night. So uh, later on, when the Rebbe was in Poland with his father-in-law, with the Friedrich Rebbe, uh, with his Rebbe, uh, so the Rebbe told his Rebbe, his father-in-law, you know, I, I put money in a pushka in, 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 in Vienna, and, 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 the, and it was evening, and somebody was critical and said, I shouldn't do that. And the Friedrich Rebbe like, laughed and dismissed it and said, the person who told you you shouldn't give tzedakah at night probably doesn't even give tzedakah in the day. And it's interesting, it's similar to that, by the way, uh, that Ebbe mentioned, uh, at least on one occasion that I know of, that people told the Rebbe, you know, we heard that in Sefer Achsidim it says that if you're in debt, you shouldn't give tzedakah. Because until you pay your creditors, really, why are you giving tzedakah? You know, really, you should pay the creditors first. They have, they have first dibs before you give tzedakah. So, uh, so, so the Rebbe said, you know, the, the people who bring up that, that teaching from Sefer Chassidim, how come they didn't follow the Sefer Chassidim uh, regarding how they spent their money when they weren't in debt? You know, you're, you were buying luxuries for yourself when you weren't in debt, and that was okay. That, that you didn't check if the Sefer Chassidim said that that was, that was proper con- conduct. But now all of a sudden, when you're looking for an excuse not to give tzedakah, now you want to blame it on the Sefer Chassidim that, you know, that uh, you shouldn't give uh, tzedakah until you, paid your, uh, until you paid your debts, right? In other words, you're, you're, uh, you're picking and choosing when to be meticulous, but uh, it, 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 don't call it a frumkite that you're avoiding giving tzedakah. The real frumkite is give tzedakah. So it's sort of similar to that story. The guy was telling me, you know, Kabbalistically, don't give tzedakah at night. Okay, you know what? You want to be so careful, but the, the, real, the real pious thing is to give the tzedakah. Um, at any rate, so the, the, the idea of having the pushke in the home, having it right there so that you're giving tzedakah, it just becomes a regular, a regular part of the rhythm of the home or of your daily routine. Um, the Rebbe also said to give tzedakah before a medical procedure or a doctor's visit. And if the person is staying in the hospital, they should bring a pushka to the hospital. The Rebbe spoke about giving tzedakah before a business um, endeavor so that the business endeavor should be successful. 
And, and, and that's different than giving a ple- you know, making a pledge. Well, if I make a certain amount of money at this business endeavor, I'm going to give uh, Meiser or Chaymish or whatever. And we'll talk about Meiser and Chaymish in a minute, by the way, about the proportions, how much to give, a tenth, a fifth. Uh, but to, to give tzedakah before the, be, beforehand, physically, to take money and put it in the pushka. Um, and also, um, when are other times of, of giving tzedakah? There was another time I was thinking of. Um, well, just any old time throughout the day when you, when you think of it. But, oh, yeah, I wanted to, to mention also to have a pushka in the office. A pushka should be in the office. Not just at home, but in the office. And another thing that I've spoke about employers that they should give a little bit extra money on payday with the understanding that this extra money is so that the uh, employees can give tzedakah and that that's a very important thing to do and that's whether the employees are Jewish or non-Jewish because non-Jews also have a mitzvah of giving tzedakah. And in fact, um, one of the ways that we should promote uh, the, the Sheva Mitzvahs among, you know, the seven Noahide laws among non-Jews is specifically by promoting tzedakah, the idea of, uh, of uh, giving from one's wealth to those less fortunate. And uh, th- this is something that applies to Jews and non-Jews alike. Also, by the way, similar to the idea of an employer giving extra money in the paycheck so that the children can, uh, so that the, I'm giving away what I'm about to say, so that the employees can give tzedakah. The Rebbe said that principals or school administrators should also give out money to the children so that the children can give tzedakah and that this should become like a regular thing, that uh, the, the principal gives out money and then the children can take that money and they can put it in a pushka there in school. So, Again, the, the idea here is not just that the money gets given. Of course, that's important. And that's the bottom line. But how it gets given, that it becomes a routine and it habituates us, it trains us, it refines us because the giving becomes part of the, the rhythm of our lives. And it's in the home and it's in the office. Oh, and another place that Ebba said to have a pushka in the car. Yeah, to have a tzedakah pushka in the car. Um, so really, wherever we are and, and whatever we're doing, tzedakah becomes seamlessly interwoven with, with those activities and elevates all of those activities and turns all of those activities into mitzvahs. Now, I said I wanted to talk a little bit about Meiser and Chaymish, about a tithe or a, or a fifth, so let's talk about that for a moment. Um, there is obviously the, the, the idea of, of Meiser, which is, which is a tithe. And in fact, there's the idea of uh, Taser, give a tithe, a tenth, Bishvil uh, Tisasha, in order that you should become wealthy by playing with the dot the, uh, on, the, on the, the sin. It becomes a shin. So the, the word for ten can become the word for wealth. So taser, give, give miser, or a tenth, a tithe, 
in order shetisasha that you should become wealthy. Um, and then that's a, that's a Gemara. It's actually a, a story about uh, about uh, about Rabbi Yechonon. Um, but there's also an idea of chaymish. Chaymish means a fifth, which is, I mean, obviously twice as much as 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 a tenth. And then our sages say, but but don't give more than a fifth because that's considered extravagant. And uh, if you give more than a fifth, then maybe you're going to become uh, needy. And then, you know, what's the point if you uh, make yourself, uh, now you're going to become a recipient of tzedakah. So generally speaking, you know, a tenth is, is the regular amount and uh, a fifth of, of one's uh, net earnings uh, is, is considered, you know, mitzvah minamuvcha, you know, the, the, the choicest way to do the mitzvah. However... The Alter Rebbe writes about this in uh, in Tanya, especially in uh, or specifically in Igeres uh, Hatshuva. That that's just for the mitzvah of tzedakah, but there's another reason we give tzedakah beyond the mitzvah, and that is that in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, people would give karbonis in order to atone for their sins and to reinstate their relationship with Hashem. Um, now we don't have the Beis Hamikdash, so instead of the fat and blood of the sacrifice, we give our own fat and blood through fasting. However, the Alter Rebbe says, we don't do well with fasting, and it becomes counterproductive, so when we fast, it ends up affecting our ability to serve Hashem in other ways, so it's not worth it. But we still need that atonement that the sacrifice would bring, so how do we do it? The Alter Rebbe says, through tzedakah, because the tzedakah is money you could have spent on food, that would have replenished your fat and blood, and now by giving the, the money away, that is equivalent to a loss of your own fat and blood that you would have had through fasting, except it's not going to give you a headache. And we don't want to have a headache because then you're not going to be able to learn Torah, you're not going to be able to do other mitzvahs, and you're not going to be able to be nice to your family, which is extremely important. Um, so, of course, a person with a headache can be nice to his family. I'm just, <laughs> just saying it makes it harder. But if you give tzedakah, then you don't have any of those problems. And, uh, you know, you can eat your food and drink your coffee. And, and it still has the same effect like a korban. So if you're talking about just the mitzvah of giving tzedakah as a mitzvah, the amount is a tenth or at most uh, a fifth. But if you're talking about giving tzedakah because you need the atonement, because you need something to... Bring, bring, about, bring about spiritual healing, you know, and we all need spiritual healing because, you know, we've all done things that are less than perfect. So then why is spiritual healing any, any less uh, worthy uh, than uh, physical healing? So if a person needed a, a, a physical healing and the money that it was going to cost for the doctor, it was going to cost more than, you know, more than a fifth of his wealth, but he, would he say, well, no, I'm not going to spend the money on that. You know, a person who, God forbid, he was sick and he knew that something would heal him, would he say, no, I, well, I refuse. I won't spend more than a fifth of my wealth. Of course he wouldn't. He wouldn't make such a self-imposed limitation. He would, he would spend whatever it would take so he could get healthy again. And when you're healthy, you make more money, right? But uh, the same thing goes with a, with, a, with a spiritual healing. If a person needs uh, an atonement, so he wouldn't limit himself to saying, oh, well, that's too much money. No, whatever, whatever it costs, he would spend. 
So uh, a fifth or a tenth or a fifth, that's the mitzvah tzedakah. But tzedakah does other things as well, which is, like we're explaining, it has the same effect as, uh, as fasting, which has the same effect, effect as, as bringing a sacrifice. And therefore, uh, you're getting uh, value for your money. So it's not just you're giving it away. You're actually getting uh, value. Um, and therefore, bottom line, the takeaway point here is the, the limit of a tenth or even a fifth is not in place. And you can spend whatever you feel you need to spend. Obviously, speak to a mashpia, you know, speak to, uh, you know, uh, your personal rabbinical guide and, uh, you know, see what is, what makes sense. But even the limit of a, a tenth or a fifth is not, uh, is not binding uh, when, when you're giving tzedakah as a way of, of, of spiritual healing. Okay, so now let's, let's talk a little bit about, we spoke a lot about the effect that tzedakah has on ourselves, that it, it refines us and, and we become givers. And through the preponderance of action, through the reiv hamaisa and in the repeated action, it uh, makes us into more giving people, more generous people. It, it, uh, it clears away the, the ego, which is resistant to generosity, and, uh, you know, we just train ourselves to repeated giving, and it, and it has a, a refining effect on ourselves. Let's now talk, though, about the macrocosm, the effect on the world, because, you know, there's the micro and there's the macro. So let's talk about the effect that the giving has on the universe. There, there's, a, there's a concept that G'deilatz dakashim kareves Greatest tzedakah that it brings close to redemption. What is this idea? Why, do, why does tzedakah bring close to redemption? So to try to convey a, a, a very deep concept uh, very quickly. The idea of Mashiach and Geula, the messianic redemption, is, is not something that happens in some other reality or some other uh, state of being. It's not heaven. I mean, that's, that's one meaning of Elam Haba, the world to come, is the Elam HaNeshamas, or Gan Eden, paradise. But when we talk about Geula, redemption, we mean this world. In fact, the Rebbe pointed out many times that Geula is the word Geula with an Aleph. Geula means exile, and Geula is the exile with an Aleph, and Aleph means the one, means Hashem. So when there will be the revelation of the one in this world, this world will be the place of, uh, of ultimate spirituality. So we want to make this world holier than heaven. Now, how do we do that? How do we make this world holier than heaven? Through mitzvahs. Mitzvahs have a refining effect on the world. So every time you do a mitzvah, mitzvahs are physical actions using physical objects. Um, you take something physical and you upgrade it from its default state, which is spiritually neutral, and you make it holy. Most of the physical world is spiritually neutral. I mean, there are things that are worse than neutral, that are profane. And those are the things that are off limits and, and, and halacha, Jewish law, prohibits them to us. And those things we don't use. Those things Hashem will pick up at the end. says Hashem. I will remove the spirit of impurity. That stuff, but that's, that's very little of the world. Um, you know, ham sandwiches and idols and stuff like that, right? So you leave it alone. But most of the world is fair game. It's neutral and it can be elevated. So everything in the world 
that we use for our mitzvah becomes elevated. So, you, you know, you drink the tea in order to... I'm going to drink my tea. Give the class on the computer, you know, through the, you know, uh, the, the Fios. So all of that becomes part of a mitzvah. So the tea and the, and the computer and the Fios, these are spiritually neutral on their own, but now they're being used to do a mitzvah, they all get elevated. Or you take the bricks and you build uh, a shul or you build uh, a, a school and or you're, you're elevating the, the physical uh, bricks. So you, the classic example, you take the cow and, you and from the cow you, you, you make hide and the hide becomes the parchment of the, of the Torah scroll or of the tefillin or of the mezuzah on your doorpost. At any rate, the point is that mitzvahs have a refining effect on the physical, that physical objects can become, become holy when they become a, uh, a, uh, an object of a mitzvah. If, we're if we are to define a mitzvah as an act which refines the physical and lifts it to spiritual uh, qualities even while it retains its physical state, right? Because it still remains a physical object, but yet it becomes holy. Uh, if, we're define, if we are to define a mitzvah as, 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 as an act that has that effect, well, tzedakah is the mitzvah that has that effect most, uh, most profoundly, most impactfully. Because if you think about it, when you earn money, you put your energy into earning money and you get your energy from everything, you know, from your food and your drink and your, and also from, you know, the home that you live in that you use to re-energize and your furniture and all your, everything that you have goes into giving you the ability to go earn a living and then earning a living becomes this money and then you take that money and you turn it into a mitzvah. So basically think about that when you've given tzedakah, Everything that you have, I'm talking about materially, your own body and your possessions and, and your comforts and everything that went into giving you the ability to go earn a living is now channeled into a mitzvah. So that whole chain becomes uplifted and becomes holy. So if a mitzvah is an act that has a refining effect on physical objects, there's no mitzvah that has more of that effect than the mitzvah of tzedakah. And that's why tzedakah is called the mitzvah, the mitzvah par excellence, the quintessential mitzvah, the archetypical mitzvah. Because tzedakah has the most, has the most wide-ranging effect on refining the physical. All of the things that you have and everything you own, and everything that you use that goes into you being able to maintain yourself, your clothing, your, your car, your everything. You know, tell your accountant, it's all a business expense, right? <laughs> it's all a business expense. It all goes into earning that living. And now you earn that living and you take a piece of it off and you give it away and turn it into something holy. You've elevated all of that. So we see that tzedakah not only has a powerful effect in refining us, but in refining the world. And uh, the more tzedakah we give, the quicker we, we lift up this world.
And that's why we say, greatest, greatest tzedakah for it brings redemption. It's, it's not like this random thing that, oh, give a lot of tzedakah and Hashem will reward you with redemption. No, it's a really uh, obvious cause and effect, outcome, that gula is when the physical world is refined. Well, what refines the physical world faster and more powerfully than taking the money that you earned with your hard work and turning that into a mitzvah. That refines physicality real quickly and real powerfully. So there's a very direct connection between tzedakah and, and the ultimate perfection of this world. And in that sense, you know, tzedakah is really, uh, you know, you don't, get, you don't get better than tzedakah. If you think about it, you know, the Rebbe encouraged so many people to do mitzvahs and so many different mitzvahs. And of course, you know, this part, this, this, is seri- this class is part of a series of, of, of mitzvah campaigns. But if you think about the Rebbe, just when you picture the Rebbe um, in- encouraging people to do mitzvahs and actually deputizing them on the spot to become a shliach mitzvah, what is the picture that, that comes to mind? The dollars. The Rebbe would give Sunday dollars. There was a line every Sunday. And then after, in the later years, after, after a sicha, the Rebbe would give dollars. Very often the Rebbe would give coins to children. The Rebbe would, you know, come into to 770 and he would give coins to the children. Um, and the, the whole idea of giving out that money, what was the money? It, you know, the Rebbe said, this is making you a shliach mitzvah for tzedakah. Now, obviously, people would keep that dollar or coin they got from the Rebbe because it had personal meaning. But then they would give the, um, that amount, the equivalent, or more, you know, preferably with a hesofa, with, with an addition. They would give that to tzedakah. So basically, what was the Rebbe constantly doing every time the Rebbe met somebody was deputizing them, you know, tag, you're it. Uh, you're, you're a shliach mitzvah. You are a, an emissary to do a mitzvah. Which mitzvah? Tzedakah. So every time the Rebbe was giving out a dollar, that was the idea there, is the Rebbe was making you a shleich mitzvah, specifically the mitzvah of tzedakah. So it's a powerful, powerful mitzvah, and, uh, and one that really has no limit, and we can do it all the time, anywhere. The only time you can't do it is Shabbos and Yom Tov, and for the sake of you know, making this class more complete, let me mention that uh, since we can't give tzedakah on Shabbos or Yom Tov, one thing that I've mentioned is you should give uh, double on, on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov. So, uh, you know, you make up for that day as well. Like Lech Mishnah, you know, like the month fell double on Friday. Um, yeah. So, that's the idea. And uh, let's make an effort to not just to give tzedakah, but to become tzedakah givers through training ourselves and our children to, to engage in acts of tzedakah repeatedly and regularly, have a pushka within reach wherever you are, at home, at the office, in your car, so that you can just reach out and, and give tzedakah and, and so that it becomes just a, a regular part of, of, of our lives. And again, I want to uh, remind us that when we do so, um, let's have in mind that this act we are we are acting as the, as the hand of of the neshama of Dinaleya Bas 
Menachem Mendel, Udveira Simcha, and very soon through the tzedakah that we give to, to bring the redemption, we should be reunited with her and with all of the neshamas who are awaiting their return to this world when this world will be perfected through our, uh, through our deeds, chiefly through our, through our acts of goodness and kindness, our tzedakah. Thank you to everyone. Thank you for joining us.